Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens. Another big episode of the show coming at you today. Um, had the very special chance to get out to the Auburn Hill Speedway this past Saturday, get on the mic, and uh, work with Bobby Rowland, who we had on the show a couple weeks ago, and had a great time over there. A lot of great racing and just some absolute mayhem with the Modifieds. So plenty to talk about there. Plus, we have the race over at the Homestead Miami Speedway that I've jinxed into becoming a wild one. And um, we'll talk all about that. We'll take a look at the playoff standings, see how everybody's doing. And uh, got some big news with the Florida Governor's Cup not too long ago, actually, before I came on to record. So we'll take a look at the just-released full schedule for the Governor's Cup weekend on November 10th, 11th, and 12th. And we'll take a look at entries and all of that. So plenty for you guys to consume here on this week's episode. No special guests for the first time in a while. I apologize. It's just going to be me tonight. But like I said, we have plenty of content to get through. So let's go ahead and start with some of the news that dropped here earlier this afternoon with the Florida Governor's Cup. And I'm going to get right to the stuff that everybody's been asking about. Let's take a look at the schedule here. We've been working closely with CRA, who oversees this event like they do during the World Series, and they had a hand in these schedules. So a few things were moved around. Um, I did have to change some things on the website. Uh, these The divisions that were running were laid out a little bit differently at the beginning of the year than what they are now. The biggest change, pro trucks, and uh, bombers are bomber A's have been moved to Saturday. E mods have been moved to Sunday. Pretty much everything else is the same. A couple of other caveats that I want to touch on here because um, I feel like it's important. And some of you might hear it here first before you actually look at the schedules, or some of you might hear it all first. In, in instead of getting to the track on race day and being like, "What is all this about?" So let's. Um, Let's break it down just a little bit. I'm not going to dwell on this too long because we do have a lot to cover from Auburndale. And I do want to get into that here during the first segment. Um, Friday, November 10th, that'll be practice day. Uh, the ticket gates are going to open at 1030. So they're going to start selling your, your pit passes and all that at 1030. And then they're going to open the pits at 11 o'clock and everybody can start parking then. Um, people already asking about parking naturally, which is, you know, Definitely something I understand. But you'll have plenty of time to get in on Friday, get parked, get unloaded before anybody will hit the track. So um, let's see. Everything is going to open at 11. The gates will open. You can start parking. Uh, tech, fuel, registration, all of that will open at 11 o'clock. They're going to have a 215 drivers meeting just to go over some things, uh, answer any questions. With a big event like this, you do get traveling drivers. It's not quite the, the traveling contingent that the World Series is, but nonetheless – we will have some people that haven't been here before. So they're going to have a small driver's meeting, a short driver's meeting, I should say, around 2.15. And then they will have rotating practice from 3 to 8. So five hours, you can get on track. And there's plenty of practice for everybody this weekend. Um, if you don't think you have enough practice, come to Friday practice. If you think you have too much practice, skip Friday practice. You don't have to come to Friday practice. It is – you don't have to practice at all. You can just go race. Um Saturday, November 11th, of course, that is the prelude to the Cup. That's a big race day. We have seven features that night. Holy cow. Um, yeah, it's going to be huge. The pits are going to open at 10 o'clock. 
Drivers meeting is at 1215. Try to make it if you can. Um, they're pretty lenient uh, with the local classes that, you know, if you got to work Saturday, listen, you're good. If you have questions, make sure you ask them when you get there and get that squared away. Practice is going to start at 1 o'clock on Saturday for the Supers. Modified practice will be at 2.05. We'll have prolate practice at 2.40. Another modified practice at 3.15. Another prolate practice at 3.40. Modified pre-qualifying tech will be at um, 4 o'clock. Super late practice will be at 4.15. Prolate models will practice or will have their tire release at 4.30. Trucks You'll have your one and only practice and qualifying from 4.50 to 5.05. Super stocks will practice and qualify from 5.10 to 5.25. So if, for everybody wondering for Governor's Cup, your practice for the for the local divisions, your practice will be your qualifying. Bomber A's will practice from 5.30 to 5.45. Bomber B's from 5.50 to 6.05. Modifieds, you'll qualify at 6.10. Prolates, you'll qualify around 6.30. Vintage cars or ground pounders, you guys are going to have practice from 7 o'clock to 7.10. So you'll you'll be in front of the crowd because the, the crowd that's going to be here for the races will see your practice. Have a good car count, put on a good practice, and make those folks stick around. Um, doesn't say anything about ground pounder qualifying, but I'm sure whatever the club wants to do, they'll um, you know accommodate that for you, the ground pounders, as you guys are... Always good about that kind of stuff. Um, and then we're going to race at 7.30. We're going to kick things off with the Prelude to the Cup, the Prolate Model 100, followed by the Modified Challenge Series finale. That'll go 75 laps. Super Stocks will be up next for 25. Trucks will be up after that for 25. Bomber A20, Bomber B20, and Ground Pounder slash Vintage Car 20. The thing I want to point out, if you go look at the schedule, it says for the undercar divisions, the local support classes... 25, if, if you're running a 25 lapper, it also says or 25 minutes. If you're running a 20 lapper or 20 minutes. So basically, if you guys get out there and screw around and your race expires, they'll either just throw the checkers there or give you green-white checker, whatever the procedure is going to be. I will find out more about that as we get closer. So um, that's, that's different. You know, I was kind of thinking, man – even before they switch some things around, I'm like, God, Saturday's going to be long. And then we got to be right back up here at the crack of dawn Sunday for the Governor's Cup because that's an afternoon start. So I'm like, man, it's going to be a late night, but this time limit will help keep things going. So we got to make victory lane. We got to make time in between races as quick as possible. But uh, from what I did get, when I talked to the office uh, after I put the schedule up, um, if there's like a, a restart lineup snafu, that time's not going to count against you. It's going to be like legit caution time. So if there's a crash that takes five minutes to clean up or whatever, that would count. If if it's lineup issues, scoring issues, then we're not going to hold that against you. Um, but honestly, at let's say on average for the support classes, 21 second laps, you can get a 25-lap race done in 15 minutes. Easy. And I didn't even do the calculation on that. I'm, I'm just saying. So that gives you at least, you know, 10 minutes of, of leeway. If there is an incident or two, and most races, from my experience, are over within that time frame anyway. But this will help keep things on schedule. Honestly, I can only think of one race in, in 
this goes back to my interview with Rich LeVance last week. If you didn't hear that, go back and listen to it. Um, he brought up the first truck race of the regular season, how that kept going with wreck, 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 and the rain came in, and they basically got ushered off the track. Um, it, it'll be more or less like that. I think all the races, I, I would say 90% of the races aren't going to have to worry about the time limit. Maybe one, maybe two if things get silly, but, um, you know, if you guys behave, you'll get your laps. If we can't behave, then we're going to have to move the show along. I think that's what the aim was, the goal was. CR, I don't know whose idea this was. I don't know if it's a CRA thing. I don't know if it was a track suggestion like, hey, what can we do to help keep the program moving? And obviously, if there's pushback on this, maybe something different. If this works well, I could see this being a place for the World Series because those nights, they get crazy long too. And I'm telling you, by by night three, four, five, six, nobody wants to be there after 11 o'clock. We all want to get started on the next day. So maybe this will be a good thing. I, I've never been wild about time limits in racing. But I think this is a reasonable time limit. And I think on a big show like this, to have time limits is not a bad thing. I just hope it doesn't become like, oh, God, every race got like halfway in and then the time expired. And But, but like I said, there's really only one race I can think of this year. Maybe, maybe there's a couple others here and there. Um, but I can only think of one race that was a big enough deal to where the time limit would come into play. So I think it's going to be just fine. I, I I don't know. I'll be interested to hear what the feedback is on this. Of course, this was just released a couple hours ago before I was able to record this afternoon or this evening. So we'll see. So that's Saturday's schedule, and that's the big nuance is the, the time limit deal. Um, and then, of course, Sunday, like I said, we're right back at it. 9 o'clock, the pits are going to open. 9.45, driver's meeting. I don't like this. There's a super late model practice on race day from 10.30 to 11. I, to me, that's a waste. That's a waste of time. That is just a waste of tires. That is a waste of fuel. That is a just an opportunity for people to go out and crash themselves. Or after all the practice Friday, after practice Saturday, that's just, we're running these things on the ground before we even get to the race. I don't know. I, I don't like that, but I, I can understand okay, I'm going to step off my high horse. Let's say there was a team that couldn't get here till Sunday. At least they have 30 minutes to get on the track. And we've seen that before. I, I remember a couple of years ago, there was a team that got there Sunday and qualified like fourth because they got to get on track. I'm going to just, it's optional. You don't have to practice. I'm just, I'm, I'm done. I've said what I had to say. Um, <laughs> and then 11.05 to 11.25 will be sportsman practice and qualifying uh, 602 mods will practice and qualify from 1130 to 1145. Mod minis will practice from 1150 to 1205. They will have single car qualifying. And then the e-mods will practice and qualify from 1210 to 1225. Mod mini qualifying will be at 1230 sharp. And then super late model qualifying at one o'clock right after qualifying, boom, cars move to the grid. We do it. We go out there for ceremonies, um, dignitaries, and driver intros, and hope to be racing by about 2 o'clock. And I say about 2 o'clock because normally what happens, and I've asked for this stuff to be given to me ahead of time, so I know what the hell I'm doing, but normally I get, oh, so-and-so is going to be here. You know so-and-so is coming, and they give me this list of people, I have no idea what the hell is happening until like 45 minutes before race time. So hoping it's all organized and stays on track, and we can start racing right around 2 for the 58th annual Florida Governor's Cup, 
race six of the Florida Sunbelt Series with the David Rogers Superlates. And they're going to have the Mod Mini Challenge Series 50-lap finale, followed by the Sportsman 25, 602 Tour Mod 25, or it and or and E-Mod 25 to wrap it up. Uh, in those three races, Sportsman 602's E-Mods will have 25 laps or 25 minutes stipulations. So that is the schedule for the Florida Governor's Cup. I think it's a good one. Um, you know, what's going to show up I, is still up in the air. A uh, lot of entries so far, and I think I think we've only scratched the surface. I would, I would guess we only have about 40% of the entries. So um, I'm definitely excited for it. And listen... Pre-entries are encouraged. We appreciate them. Just show up and race. If we don't know you're coming, a good surprise when I do the pit walkthrough on Friday. Um, but yeah, that's my little first take of Florida Governor's Cup schedule. Real quick with the entries, I'm not going to sit here and analyze this. I have podcasts in the next couple of weeks where I can do this, but this is where we're at so far. Super late model entries include, but are not limited to, A.J. Waller, Brad May, George Gorham, Ross Francisco, Anthony Sergi is going to be back. Ryan Herbert just uh, uh, just signed up today. Bobby Good has entered. Steven Nassi will be here driving the uh, ACR 51. Connor Sutton, driver from Five Flags, is going to be here. Michael Atwell will be here. Richard Elkins and Michael Goddard will be here in the 58. Uh, Prolate Models, we'll see Dylan LeBeau. I got to update his information. He's going to be in the 47. Tim Sozio is going to be here in the 16. Hudson Bolger in the 17. Richard Elkins, 55. Philip Bissett, 117. Uh, driver to update or add since this has been released. Uh, the 77, Ruben Caceres, will be here as well. And I, I would expect I would expect somewhere around 15 or so Prolate. So I think that's going to grow quite a bit over the next week, next couple of weeks. Modified so far, we have Matt Jarrett, Shane Held, Ricky Moxley, and Dalton Nelson signed in, but we know Jerry Simons is going to be there. I would imagine Wayne Parker will be back. I hope Wayne Parker's back. Um, you know, the, the the normal guys will be there. I, I, I would expect 12 or so Modifieds. Mod Minis, right now we have Larry and Fallon Goolsby, Jerry Simons, and Sean Bass. Uh, so two Volpius cars, two Goolsby cars have signed up so far. And there'll be a handful of other cars. Uh, Sportsman, Danny Fry has registered. I have to get him on the list here. Pro Trucks, a good sizable field for them so far with Richard Griffiths, Steve Darling, John Kaufman, Dalton Smith, Nolan Mesa, Timmy Walters, Jeffrey White, and Garrett Thompson signed in so far. And then we get to the other classes here. Emods, we're going to have Kurt Robinson, Dylan Williams, Eugene Tuminella Jr., uh, Travis Sukup, Hank Baker, Norm Dismuke, hopefully... Uh, he's signed up, but uh, we'll talk about his rough night in a moment. And Dylan LeBeau in the 75. Uh, let me get these other classes pulled up here. Super stock so far. I've got Tyler Pernesti, Stephen Metz, Paul Kochi. Um, I've got Aaron Foy, Joe Racine, Chris Savini for Bomber A's. For Bomber B's, we got Aaron Foy and Kenny. And again, these the underclasses, they're just going to pop in. Uh, they're, they're not all necessarily going to register. I think we have Scott Cutter for the Ground Pounders. That's the only other entry of note so far. Um, so, again, it's shaping up to be fine. I, I mean, I, these numbers are not, you know, wow, my God, there's a million cars, nor do I think anybody expects it to be that way. I, I think we're going to have about 20 for the Governor's Cup. I think last Governor's Cup we started 25, and then we were up from 14 
14 was a, a weak turnout back in 2020. That was kind of depressing. Um, I, I think we'll, I, we're at 13 already. Uh, there's a driver that's uh, registered that I'm not able to tell you about. So um, we got 13 so far. If, you know, those all show, plus there, there's a couple other teams that I'm waiting to hear about. So I, I think we're going to be just fine. And I'm looking forward to that. Um, this weekend at New Smyrna, we'll just tie a bow on the New Smyrna stuff. Then I want to get into Auburndale because we had a lot to recap there. Um, regular season finale coming up this Saturday night. Um, we have the Super Lights for race five of the Sunbelt Series. Um, decent field. I, I know Ryan Moore's coming down. Colin Allman is registered. Michael Goddard's going to be in the 58 for John Kaufman. They're, they're only going to have one car, so it'll be an all-hands-on-deck effort for Michael this weekend. Um, the the Garrett machine, Mike Garrett in the 28, they've signed up. Brad May is going to be there. I'd imagine Trenton Hennick will be there. He's the leading rookie. I think Brian Finney will be there, probably Bobby Gordon, uh, just to name a couple. Um, I think it'll be just fine. Um, I know some other tracks are running supers. Some other tracks are running sportsmen this weekend. It is what it is. Uh, we're going to do all the fun things, uh, trunk or treat, Super late, Sportsman, Bomber Bees finale, 602 mods with a, a heck of a championship battle brewing. About a couple points for those guys. So should be fun. Um, of course, I'll have all of the New Smyrna recap next week, a big around the state segment next week. But let's jump into the beginning of the Auburndale Speedway recap here. I'm probably going to break this up, take our first commercial break after looking at the first few classes here to keep the... the uh, you know, the length of the podcast steady here. So let's start, let's start with the Legends cars. Give the Legends cars a little bit of love. Um, really fun heat race. Really fun heat race. Evan Bookmiller started towards the back of the field, got boxed in and made a last lap pass on the outside to win the heat. That put him on the pole for the feature where he did pretty much dominate up at the front, but really good racing all throughout the field. You had David Alvarez, um, George, it, it seemed like, for much of the race, the field was kind of under a blanket. There was only six cars there, but it was entertaining enough. A lot of passing, uh, some spins here and there. Definitely a lot of things getting mixed up to, to keep it interesting. But uh, Evan Bookmiller did get the win in the Legends Cars feature ahead of Daniel Alvarez. George Ingram was third. Sean Bailey was fourth. David Furtado was fifth. And Quentin Weiss rounding out your field there for the Legends Cars. Uh, scrolling down here, Bandoleros were also in action. I think they had four cars. Uh, let me get down to their list here. Yes, it was a four-car field. Um, fun race, though, man. They had they had stuff going all over the place. The heat race was a bit out of control. They got it together for the feature. A lot of spins in that heat race. But Bryson Carlbert did win the heat, put him on the pole for the feature. Again, where you finish um, in the heat race at Auburndale is where you start in the feature. And then qualifying they they do you know qualify and then redraw or invert whatever um fun race though because bryson carlbert was out to a big lead these cars are so light they get upset by the littlest thing so he came off turn four about halfway through the race just hit one of the bumps and around he went so i asked him uh spoiler alert he did win the race he came back and won the race and i asked him at victory lane i'm like what happened over there in turn four track him up and bite you and he's like yeah pretty much hit a bump and, and around it went so Bryson with the the spin and win in the Bandolero feature and one over Riley Parks. And 
say what you want about the Bandoleros. I know there's not a lot of them, but those kids just being so happy. I mean, Riley Park's popping out of the roof of that thing, cheering like he had won the, the Governor's Cup. So um, just a, a fun addition to any any card, really, or the Bandoleros. Just don't, don't take it so serious. Just enjoy it and know that that's the future of the sport. Those are your next, you know, street stock drivers. Those are your next modified drivers. Those are your next late models. Those are your next truck drivers or what have you, wherever they end up going. So Bryson Carlberg gets the win. Riley Parks was second. Sadie Parsons finished in third. And Joseph Wise in the 34, rounding out the field. Crown Vicks were also in action. I'm going to recap that. And I have one more thing. We'll take a break after this. I do have something else I I meant to get at the beginning. I'm going to shoehorn it in here before we take a break. But uh, good turnout of Crown Vicks, 16. Broke them up into two heats. John Worthington won heat number two. Heat number one went to Austin Taylor. Um, there's, there's a reason I'm splitting everything up like I am tonight because we had modified carnage all night long. The Crown Vicks were the last race of the night. And I remember joking with Bobby. I'm like, okay, we've seen a lot of carnage and we still have the Crown Vicks. They came out and ran a respectable race. I mean, typical beating and banging, pushing and shoving, lots going on. Um, but it was a fine race, like, they had one of the most normal races of the night, and Austin Taylor got the victory over Michael Bauer. Uh, Jimmy McLeod was third, Preston Davis fourth, Roger Blevins was fifth. Then it was John Worthington, Michael Fuller, James Bristol, Zach Briggs, and Lloyd Freeman, the top 10. Tough break for Chance Saucerman. He lost a tire and struggled. It, like I said, it was a normal race. There were spins, there's bumping and banging, but not the crash fest, not the you know, the clown show, as they've been referred to sometimes, the clown vix, um, is a perfectly acceptable end to the night. So congratulations to Austin Taylor. And he must have known that I was going to talk about him because he just added me on Facebook. So anywho. Um, so yeah, that's the more or less the undercard, if you will, from Auburndale on Saturday night. Very fine uh, support divisions and support races for what was a... a pretty wild show we have like i said modified carnage here on the other side we have the pro truck 50 recap and some all-around wild stuff to talk about here in segment number two before i get there before i take a break um it's real easy to jump online say something have a hot take and sometimes i have hot takes of my own uh there was something i saw on twitter um a writer in the NASCAR slash short track world that I really have the utmost respect for, um, broke some news and then had to kind of walk back on it. And I just commented not to diminish the the person who dropped the news, but just kind of say, well, maybe this is why we should let the teams make their own announcements and then comment on that versus trying to jump ahead of everybody and break news first. And, um, you know, this particular person could have been like, shut up, you don't know what you're talking about because I didn't know half what I was talking about. But instead, we ended up having a very engaging private conversation that will not be shared. And uh, I, I actually learned something. I, I had an opinion, I had a thought, and put it out there. And then I got to see it from a different side of things. And I really respect that. I, I think that as race fans as people in the racing world, we always have our hot takes, our hot opinions, and we see things 
through a computer screen or through a video or from the grandstands or the pits of where we're at. And we don't always know the full context. So my message for you today on this episode of the show is it's okay to have an opinion and it's okay to put it out there. And it's also okay for there to be some retort and for you to learn something. And I think there's a very respectable way about having a conversation with somebody when you see them comment on something that has something to do with you. Um, You can, of course, jump down their throat and attack them and say, hey, you know, why are you saying this about me? You know, your opinion sucks, blah, blah, blah. Or you can actually have a conversation with them and teach them. And it's, listen, I'm always learning. I'm always open to learn. I don't know everything. Um, Sometimes I see something and I'm just like, oh, man, I... Let me tell you about that. Let me tell you what I think about that. And just because it's what I think about that doesn't mean that I know everything. It doesn't mean that I'm right. It doesn't mean I'm wrong either. Um, I, I can still have my opinion. But like I said, I, I because somebody took the time, and they didn't need to take the time for me, um, I think that shows a lot of respect on their end, and I learned a lot, and there's mutual respect there. And we had a conversation, and... I really was like, damn, I did not expect this to go. I did not expect this to happen, period. And then to learn something and, you know, feel like I had the respect of this person and vice versa. Um, It just shows in the racing world, we can have conversations even if our opinions differ and everything be all right. So I just wanted to share that uh, without sharing too much. Uh, With that said, let's take our first commercial break. Let's thank our sponsors here and then we'll come back on the other side to cover the what I what I call the quote unquote main events and some modified mayhem on the other side. Hey everyone, we want to take a few moments and thank some of our great sponsors here with the Racing with Ryan podcast, including one of our first anchor sponsors, 124 Welding and Fabrication. Of course, that is Ron Alessandro's company. He's been with us for the last couple of years not only here on the show, but supporting local short track racing as well, and the Florida Southern Ground Pounders, and the 602 Modifieds that race over at New Smyrna. Uh, Ron, he's an all-around good guy, and he's very talented. Of course, he can handle all your welding and fabrication needs. But go to his Etsy store, check out Etsy.com, and search for 124 Welding and Fabrication. You can see some of the great items that he already has for sale. They make great gifts. If you got a birthday coming up, or you want to plan ahead for Christmas and start getting some of that knocked out, Check out what he already has to offer. Or you can get with him and have something custom made. We have our Racing with Ryan podcast studio emblem hanging up in the studio. It is a beautiful piece. Uh, Ron does great work. Um, Also very good for for trophies, for awards. I know he did the trophies for the Ground Pounders uh, a couple of years ago. And they're some of the coolest trophies I've ever seen. So um, if you need anything like that done, maybe awards for a baseball team, uh, for a quarter midget, for anything like that, Make sure you check out 124 Welding and Fabrication. Obviously, if you need something welded or fabbed, Ron is your man. Keep it local. Keep it trusted. We wouldn't trust anybody else here on the Racing with Ryan podcast except Ron D'Alessandro. And again, we thank him for his support. Again, that's 124 Welding and Fabrication. Check out his Etsy store, etsy.com. Search for 124 Welding and Fab. It'll come right up and uh, see what he has to offer and purchase yours today. We'd also like to thank our friends at Schultz Engineered Products and Schultz Racing Fuel Cells. 
If you're in the market for a new racing fuel cell for your vehicle, make sure you check out Schultz Fuel Cells. They're designed and manufactured in the United States to be safer, longer lasting, and they will outperform all other fuel cells that you can get your hands on. Also, they specialize in their fuel recovery systems. You can save on your fuel expenses, significant maintenance reductions, along with a safer working environment, better for the actual environment, the outside environment, and it'll eliminate your fuel disposal fees. Those are just some of the products that Schultz Engineer Products focuses on, and you can check them out on the web at schultzproducts.com. You give them a call at 732-922-4334, or for email inquiries, you can reach out to them at info at schultzproducts.com. That's info at schultzproducts.com, S-C-H-U-L-T-Z, Schultz Engineered Products. We welcome them as one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Make sure you check out their website, schultzproducts.com, for everything that they offer. And hey, if you're racing and you want to stay safe, get one of their fuel cells installed on your race car. You will not regret it. We also thank SRQ Taxes in Sarasota, Florida. We know tax season has come and gone, but guess what? It's never too early to get a head start on next year or to start thinking about next year. And hey, if you have any issues with your taxes or you know, you're looking to get a hold of somebody that can help out your business, check out srqtaxes.com. Click on their services portal and you can see everything that they offer from accounting software selection, audits, compliance, bookkeeping, business consulting, Um, They do estate and trusts, they do financial analysis, statements, IRS representation in case you have any issues. They even have a notary public on hand for all of those documents that you might need notarized. And of course, tax preparation and planning. So make sure you check out srqtaxes.com located in Sarasota, Florida, or you can uh, get with Steve Darling at the Auburndale Speedway. He'll be happy to help you out. SRQ Taxes coming on board as another one of our anchor sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. We also have a a couple of supporters that we would like to thank. Of course, um, we have our anchor sponsors, and then we have those that just support the show. And we got to thank Ken Copley. Of course, he is our EMOD sponsor, but we want to thank him for his support here as well. We'd also like to thank Doug Samian with Do All Lawn and Tree Services. He's come back on board as a supporter of the Racing with Ryan podcast. So if you need anything done in your lawn or if you have any overgrown trees on your yard or lot, make sure you contact Doug Samian, get a hold of him, and he will take care of you. Again, big thank you to Doug Samian, big supporter of the show here, driver of the Zero Four Superstock. And if you'd like to become an anchor sponsor or a supporter of the show, just reach out to us here on the Facebook page or you can give us a call at 321-356-2934. an episode gets you on board. And now we'll let you get back to the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I just barely scraped the surface on what went down at the Auburndale Speedway before taking a break here. Um, just uh, so much to get through. First segment, it's, you know, there, there's news, there's this and that. Um so I want to cover the A mod race, the A mod or the Big Mod 50 and Pro Truck 50 here on this side. I also want to say thank you to Steve, our good friend from SRQ Taxes, for uh, having me fill in for him as he went down to Homestead, Miami. I want to thank Rex and call that guy for allowing me to fill in there. I know there's a lot of animosity between tracks, um, not necessarily between our track and Auburndale, but just 
there's a lot of animosity between different realms of the Florida racing world these days. And it's nice when uh, we can do a little crossover and just remember that at the end, we're all race fans. And I just really appreciate being there. I remember the first time I worked there, I got a call from Ricky Brooks late one night asking if I could come do a big late model race the next day and kind of got thrown into the fire. And and uh, listen, I, I love to be able to help people when I can. Um, it, it's nice to, to feel like what you're doing is of value to somebody. And if somebody needs a hand to help them, I remember uh, when Auburndale was trans- transitioning from Dave Westerman to Rick Bristol um, and then to Steve Darling, I, I filled in quite a bit when I could over there. Uh, I Obviously, I love to do the announcing. It's a, a huge passion of mine. Um, and obviously, New Smyrna is my home track, but anywhere I can slot in on the off times, I love to be able to do it. So it was great to have the opportunity again. Um, Auburndale's got a great thing going with Steve and Bobby, so I know my opportunities to do so over there are very limited. Um, those two do a great job, so it was nice to slip back in there, and uh, I don't know when the next time I'll be on the mic is over there. Um, there's a lot going on the next couple of weeks with, with Governor's Cup and some of the other big races, so who knows, but it, it was nice to be back there. I had so much fun. Um, had a blast working with Bobby. That man, he's got the energy that all of us desire, man. I'm telling you, he is, he is a hoot. Um, just, we had fun. We laughed. We, we ribbed on each other. We picked on each other. Bobby was singing. He was dancing. I'm like, man, I ain't foot loose like that. So, uh, I let Bobby, I, I tried to let Bobby be the star and I was there to, you know, uh, just do my thing, if you will, and let Bobby do his. Cause there's going to be a time where, you know, Steve might go down Homestead, go to Daytona. He might race a little bit next year, and Bobby's going to have to be the guy. And I kind of let him fill that role. And if he wants to go into the grandstands and sing to Jack Hall and croon Jack Hall, then so be it. If he wants to go sit in the front row of the grandstands for the last race tonight and talk to dudes with Cowboys hats on, hey, more power to him. So, I, again, I was just happy to be there and be part of it. I let Bobby kind of do his thing. I did what I do best. Bobby did what he did best. And I think we had a lot of fun and just, we tried like hell to, uh, to make some jokes in light of some situations. So let's get into the other part of the show here. Let's talk about the A-Mods. What a great turnout, 14 cars. Now, man, walking through the pits, I was like, there's a crap ton of modifieds. What's what? Who? I, I don't know, man. I could kind of tell I know most of the A-Mods just from watching the races there. Um, some of those big mods I had never seen before, to be honest with you. So there's a couple I'm like, I'm going to assume that's A-Mod. I looked close at a couple of them like, okay, well, that's an A-Mod and that's a big mod. But there was still some crossover I didn't know. Um, 14 cars, that's a great turnout. But the problem is when you get a bigger car count, you end up sometimes, not all the time, but you end up running the risk of having a crash fest and that's kind of what the a mods had um i remember watching one on uh on live stream a couple weeks ago and uh same kind of thing happened there was wreck after wreck after wreck and they just threw the checkers and this one it was scheduled for 25 and they only got to go it says zero laps on my race pass but they only got to go 20 of the 25 i remember on the commentary i watched this back this afternoon and i was like oh two to go they're getting two to go i guess the mercy rule is coming to effect here this race was rough um there was a big spin. Jacob McCordell and the double O went around, took out the cone, and Bobby and I had 
so much fun. Like, oh, we got to resuscitate the cone. We we lost our cone. We're going to need somebody to go stand in there. Where's Jim Cone when you need him to go stand down there and, and be the cone? Um we were having a blast with that. and We kept going with it. Apparently, the cone had been taken out from under the car. They jacked it up on the back straightaway, and, and me and Bobby were horsing around. Didn't even notice they, they did retrieve said cone from underneath the double zero. But if you go back and watch on Speedway Video, actually, Speedway Video did a short in just the death of the restart cone and the resuscitation of said re- restart cone to only be taken out in the next race. Um, so that was one of the big moments. The other big moment, in this A-Mod race, Jamie Castleberry in the 1C, on a restart, just, he went straight. I He bounced off somebody going into turn number one, and I'm not sure who it was. Um, and I'm talking about things out of order here, so forgive me, but this was a big moment in the race. Jamie Castleberry head on into the outside wall on a restart. He clanged off somebody, and thank, thank God Speedway Video caught this because live, I did not see this. Um, if anybody's been in Auburndale's announcer tower, uh, the, the second tier where the announcers are, there is a significant blind spot. You have to look down through a door, which has a set of blinds and the blinds are up, but there's still, you know, a good six inch, maybe even bigger than that. Uh, there's a blind spot because ironically, as we talked about, if you watch the video for more context, um, there's a literal blind spot because of the blinds and you kind of got to duck and bob and weave your head to kind of see what's going on in turn number one. And you get used to it as the night goes and you just accept, um, you know, you're, you're going to look through that spot and you're going to look through speedway video. Um, if he's there filming and, and it, it is what it is. So restart happens and we quickly see the yellow come back out. And there had been several restarts called off throughout the night, not just in the a mod race, but in other races. So, I, if you, again, if you watch the video, you'll be like, well, you hear us. We're like, well, they called off the restart. They didn't like that one either. And some restarts to me, to the naked eye, they look fine. And then others are obvious why they call them off. So it's like, well, I guess I didn't like that. Or there's something on the track. And then I see Tom from Speedway Video through said blind spot. He's all animated and he's up in the window. Uh, Julie was up there and he's kind of motioning to her. I don't know if to motion to her to then relay to us that, hey, there was actually something that happened. But totally, Bobby and I both totally missed this. And, you know, without the context, you probably think we're a bunch of dumbasses screwing off, not paying attention, but literally could not see that the one just, he bounced off another car and Castleberry just up into the wall. Um, so that was, that happened. And then there was another big wreck with Norm Dismuke. We mentioned he was planning to come to Governor's Cup. I don't know what shape the car is in now. Um, so if he doesn't show, I understand. Uh, but he and Bray Ganey got together and just smoked the wall. And there's a little cutout on the wall where you can get down onto the racetrack. And they took a pretty decent chunk out of the wall. Um, that that particular spot is painted yellow. And after doing interviews in one of the divisions, I walked up there and part of that chunk of the wall is laying on the floor and there's a big exposed, unpainted part of it. So they, they knocked out part of the wall right there. It was a big shot, Bray Ganey and Norm Dismuke. Um, there were some other spins. We talked about the cone situation. Uh, this race took what seemed like forever. A couple of red flags. Um, and when they mercifully flew, uh, threw the checkers on this one, Matt McCrary got the win. Dan Scott out of Naples, first time at Auburndale. And uh, he came home second. Started way back in 11th, but finished second. Roger Blevins was third. He was spinning out at one point. 
Uh, J.R. Weldon was fourth. Ronnie Abney, boy, did he have a rough night. Up and down, up and down, but he still finished in the fifth spot. Jake Wallace was in sixth. Jacob McCordell in seventh. Jim Briley, eighth. Ninth for Cody Durham. Uh, I guess he was the point leader coming into the evening, and boy, he he went to the pits and I believe lost several laps, but still finished in ninth. Jamie Donahoe Jr. was 10th. That was James Jones, Jamie Castleberry, Norm Dismuke, and Bray Ganey. So a wild AMOD race for sure, which set the tone for the one of the co-50s, the modified. And these are the big modifieds, like we run at New Smyrna. Um, you know, but a different, it's a different crop of racers. Our modifieds are they are like balls to the wall, biggest motors you can find. And some of these cars can hang with our cars and some of them would be out to lunch. Uh, some of these modifieds would probably be better off converting to an, an E-mod if they were to come run with us. And that is not a knock on them. That is just the nature of the beast comparing New Smyrna to Auburndale. And like I said, we've seen, some of these drivers I'm going to talk about, we've seen them race at New Smyrna this year. Um, even if not just in a modified. So it was a great field of cars. I mean, 15 open wheel modifieds at Auburndale. That's like 20 at, at New Smyrna. That's like 25 at New Smyrna. And that would be a, a heckin' wreck fest in itself. Um, this race was better than the A-Mods, but it it saw its moments as well. It started on lap one with Josh Todd, who, uh, looking at qualifying, he was, yes, he was the fast qualifier, 13.6 getting around the track. Um, he got caught up in a tussle with Richie Smith coming off turn number four. He went up over the front of Richie Smith, bounced, like he climbed over Richie's front hood and then bounced off the tire into the poor cone. So that damn restart cone took a beating from the modifieds, both classes. Um, so right then and there, uh, fast qualifier, Josh Todd out, Richie Smith torn up, Ken Nurse knocked the radiator out on this wreck. So already three good cars out of it. And like I said, 15 cars. And to be fair, there was like 10, 11 of them that legitimately could have won this race. Then we had the other big wreck on the back straightaway. Um, Aaron Anderson and Kyle Bookmiller were side by side down the back straightaway. And I do not know whose fault this is. I am not going to point the fingers. Watching it live, it happened like this. I mean, snap of a finger, car in the wall, airborne. And then watching it back on video, I've seen two different angles of it. These two were just battling for the same piece of real estate. They hooked wheels and into the wall went Aaron Anderson. He went up on two wheels. He was, you know, 45 degrees vertical to the track. I guess vertical is the wrong word, but you you get what I mean. He went up the wall. <coughs> Excuse me. Went up the wall, flew through the air for a moment, came back down. Book Miller uh, tagged the, it was one of the Heist cars. I think it was the 11 of Steve Heist Jr. He tagged him. And just chaos ensued afterwards. You had crew members running on the track. A lot of words were exchanged. People were running around. Some aggressive moments. Not a fight. There was no fight. Um, just some typical short track in the heat of the moment, you know, stuff. But Aaron Anderson was disqualified, I'm assuming, for either getting out of his car or uh, I think it was his crew member that came on the track. So that's probably what it was. So those were the two big moments up front, though, we had some great racing. Uh, Travis Rowland in the 12 car. Where did he qualify? Let me see, just to kind of compare. He was third fastest qualifier. LJ Grimm was second fastest qualifier. The biggest surprise in qualifying was Devin McLeod, ninth, and Dodge Carlbert in 10th. But that doesn't always matter. 
Um, Travis Roll, no, he had the dominant car. LJ Graham, like I uh, said when I talked to him in victory lane, I'm like, there wasn't really anybody. And maybe Josh Todd could have. Maybe Richie Smith could have, but we didn't get to see what they had because they were wrecked on lap two. Um, LJ was about the only guy that could keep up with Travis Rowland. It really surprised me how well the outside worked on restarts, which we're going to talk about uh, during the truck race. Um, But yeah, it was a good day for Travis Rowland Motorsports. They were 1-2 here in the modified feature. Eric Purcell in that sharp-looking number 46 finished in the third spot. Dodge Carlbert, he was fourth. Didn't have the fastest, maybe not the best car, but fourth place, survived the chaos. And then Devin McLeod won the last modified race here at Auburndale. I expected him to be real good. Um, again, qualified. Surprisingly, back in ninth, missed the invert, started mid-pack, and finished in fifth. Herb Newman Jr. had a good run, finished in sixth. Justin Heiss, I mean, the, the Heiss family brought out some nice-looking modifieds. They were eye-catching. They were sharp, kind of had the dirt mod feel to them. Badass-looking cars. Justin finished in seventh after starting on the pole. Zach Harris, good to see him out there. I know he's been running uh, more tracks lately, which is good to see. He was eighth. Brandon Baker was ninth, tenth for Kyle Book Miller. The rest of these guys, DNF, uh, I'm sorry, DNF. Steve Heiss, 11th. Richie Smith, 12th. Josh Todd, 13th. Ken Nurse, 14th. And the DQ for Anderson. We talked about the big wrecks that took those drivers out. So the other big 50. And I saved this one for last because the trucks just, you know, the Modifieds had some mayhem. The trucks just continue to put on good shows. Uh, last couple of weeks, you've had 13-14 at Freedom Factory, 13 at New Smyrna. Good solid turnout, 13 here tonight at Auburndale. And 13 trucks or cars or vehicles at Auburndale is different from 13 at a bigger track. So 13 is, is plenty. And they put on, on a good show. Uh, a lot of green flag racing at the beginning. They did have some late race incidents. None of the incidents were significant, but the race did get off to a tough start. Colton Bettis driving the 88 the Speedway Auto Sales car, the one that you've seen in victory lane plenty of times with TJ to care. Uh, Colton had problems. Something was amiss. Uh, two starts, and he just couldn't, uh, couldn't keep it running. And uh, just, it, it was a tough night. Couldn't get the thing to go, couldn't get it in gear, and um, stacked to the field at the beginning. <sighs> Sucks for him. I, I, he didn't get to show what he had and kind of put the race into a, a standstill at the beginning. But after that, they got it all figured out. A lot of green flag racing. A couple of spins late, and this is where things got interesting. Uh, the choose cone over there really works wonders because the outside is not the preferred groove. And I was talking about it. Um, again, I'm not there every week. I don't see every single race at Auburndale. But I've known the inside lane, like, it is the place to be. Inside lane is king. We've seen the outside work for restarts, but you got to get, like, a fantastic restart. You got to hope the guy gets loose, and then you can you got to hope you can fill the spot on the inside to make up positions, right? Whatever track prep they have done, now, they've obviously put something down on the surface. I would imagine it's something like PJ1 or, or something like that. I'm not sure exactly what it is. But they definitely worked on the surface. And boy, did they get it right for the... I don't know if it's been like this much of the year or if they if it was just right this particular night with the ambient temperatures, what have you. But damn, the outside groove worked to perfection. Brennan Pletcher showed everybody that you could get it done. Um, he started back in seventh, okay? So he didn't qualify very, very well. Let me just give you the fast qualifiers. Um, Palmer Hag, Chase King, Carter Brown, Colton Bettis, Todd Hag, the top five in qualifying. Brennan Pletcher was seventh, Becca Monopoly eighth. That tells you uh, the, the field was was stout. So, again, 
Brennan having to come from the back wasn't really a factor until these late race restarts. He went to the outside. He was not the control car, but went to the outside and made the pass on Carter Brown to take the lead. Then they had an ensuing caution. And I'm thinking, I'm talking to Bobby. I'm like, well, there ain't no way he's going to restart on the outside again. And sure enough, Brennan Pletcher goes to the outside and again holds on to the lead. So Brennan Pletcher proved right then and there the outside lane is viable. Is it where you want to be, especially, you know, 5, 10, 15 laps into a run? No. But on the restarts and in moments, you know, if there's a slower vehicle, you can go to the outside and you can make a pass. If somebody in front of you is struggling with the handling, you don't have to put your bumper to him. You don't have to knock him with the racetrack. You can go to the outside and you can make a pass. And that makes good racing. Now, usually at any track, even at Homestead, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, you have a dominant lane or a lane that works best for you. <clears throat> it's just nice to see that at Auburndale, it's not a one-groove bottom-feeding racetrack. You don't have to drive through everybody to make passes. Now, Auburndale is close quarters and slam-bang-type you know, go-kart style racing, if you ask me. Uh, that's what makes Auburndale so much fun and different from all the other tracks. Now, that you might you may not agree with that statement, but you don't have to. Uh, but Brennan Pletcher just made the outside groove work and, and just really opened some eyes and did a masterful job. He was the restart master, and he takes the win in the 50-lap pro truck main event over Palmer Hag, who continues to just have a great season. I, I don't know if he took offense to, you know, I reposted the the contact between he and Rich LeVance from New Smyrna a week ago and just, you know, said, I still can't believe this finish. Not because Palmer, you know, not because I'm taking a dig at Palmer, but just because how it all played out was just a wild way to end a championship. I think Palmer Hag's done a great job. Um, I, I have the I have just as much respect for Rich LeVance and Palmer Hag and the rest of these guys as I do anyone else. So Palmer continues to have a great season, started fifth, finished second. Granger Para, who I apologize for calling you Pereira all night long. Um, honestly, I think it's the first time I've seen Granger race in person. So first time I've called a race with him in there, and now I know how to say his damn name. I've been practicing. Uh, he was third, fourth for Carter Brown. Chase King, who was uh, one of the faster guys in qualifying, he finished fifth. Becca Monopoly, pedestrian night for her. Um, she actually got, she was up in the mix, and then that last restart, she, her line just did not get going, and she got shuffled back to sixth. LJ Grimm took over for Travis Rowland in a sharp-looking number 28 truck to finish in seventh. Eighth was Kendall Wheeler. JT Chastain was ninth. Todd Hag, tenth, followed by Nick Hag. Tim Walters, who Tim out-qualified somebody. So Tim says he's still learning the place. He did, he did a fine job. And then Colton Bettis in 13th with uh, mechanical issues. And then it says Travis Rowland here with the DNS. Um, there was 13 trucks there. It's going to show you 14 on the score sheet. Um, Travis turned over the keyboard to LJ, um, which we found out in Victory Land of the Modifieds. They they spent much of the night putting an A-mod motor in one of the cars, and um, Travis decided to turn his focus to the Modified, which paid off because he got the win there. So, a uh, wild night. They crashes, spins galore. You know, cars flying through the air on a bull ring like that. Pretty spectacular. And then the outside groove coming into play, the outside groove working, and Brendan Pletcher getting the big win. It was a lot of fun. Uh, long night for sure, but it, it wasn't one of those long nights where you're like, when it's over, you're like, oh, thank God. I mean, when it was over, I we did get going because I had to go pick up my baby. Um, but yeah, it was just, it, it was a fun night. It, enjoyed it. Had a ton of fun working uh, with, with Bobby. 
Um, I want to thank Steve for sending us uh, everything we needed to make sure we were up and running. We had track tune going, no problems. Um, just fun, man. It was a good time. Always happy to be at Auburndale, either to watch or to, to get on the mic, help out. I think I made the comment to somebody. I'm like, man, if, if I had an off weekend and they needed help at the back gate, I'd, I'd be there to help them out. So it's my little, it's my home away from home. And just because I work at a competing track full-time doesn't mean that, uh, you know, we can't all just enjoy some racing from time to time. So definitely love being there. Great racing. Congratulations to Brendan Pletcher, Travis Rowland, and everybody else on their victories. And, um, yeah, it, it was it was a great night. And, again, you can go back on uh, Speedway Video and you can watch the full show. Of course, you if there's one race in particular you want to go see, then you can do that. Um, Auburndale was the show this weekend. There wasn't a lot of local racing going on. New Smyrna had the Billy Lane motorcycle event, um, which I'm sorry, I have no interest in that. Um, Showtime was off. Citrus was off. But everybody's racing this week. Um, you have Auburndale back in action. New Smyrna's in action. We, we previewed that a little bit earlier. Um, Showtime's racing. Citrus is racing. Freedom Factory is racing with an SRL event. So... Um, if things are spread a little thin this weekend, you'll know why. A lot of tracks have a lot of interlocking stuff. Um, Showtime's got super lates and super mini lates. Auburndale's got mod minis um, in another 50 lapper that I can't remember off the top of my head. Maybe I can find that out real quick. Uh, New Smyrna's got super lates. Showtime's got super lates. Uh, New Smyrna's got sportsmen. There's an SRL sportsman race. That's not on purpose. That's just the way it is. Um, oh, there's another... Um, Oh, there's holy, oh, there's a lot of big racing at, at Auburndale. Hang on. Let me get this for you. This is important. Um, shit, where'd it go? Come back. Come back to me. Come back. Um, okay. Pro Late Model 50, Mod Mini 50, and Pro Trucks, it says. Plus Mini Stocks, A-Mods, Mini Cups. So big weekend at Auburndale. Citrus has whatever the heck they got going on over there. I'm not sure off the top of my head there, and I don't have it pulled up. So if you want to go to Citrus, you just got to trust that it's going to be good. And then, of course, SRL over at uh, Freedom Factory, Supers at, at New Smyrna. Um, like I said, there's just a lot of crossover. And this was not a night where something was pulled out of somebody's butt. Um, well, maybe one track pulled something out of their butt last minute to schedule on top of another track. But a, a lot of, let me just say, a lot of the crossover is just that's how it was scheduled. That's the way it's laid out. That's the way it goes. It is what it is this week. Go find somewhere. Go find what suits you the best and enjoy it go where's wherever's close go wherever's got the style of car that suits your your wants and needs for short track racing and i think you'll have a good time so just do it go support it with that said i think that about covers my experience from armadale and the wild racing over there so again just want to thank steve darling for uh letting me fill in for him he could have said well bobby's got it covered but Glad he put in a good word for me and uh, was able to get me back out there. Like I said, love being it's my little that's my racetrack away from home when when I can get there. So I appreciate it, and I'll be out there definitely for the charity race weekend. And I'm um, looking forward to that. So let's take our last break. Let's come back. We have plenty to talk about on the other side. I want to talk about NASCAR at Homestead. I've got power rankings. I've got fantasy, and I've got some listener interactive stuff. Um, I posted on the old Facebook machine before I started recording, and I'm going to get some of y'all's what's what's on your mind. So we'll talk about it, all of that, and more. Coming up on segment number three. Stay with us. 
Hey everyone, we're going to take a few moments here and thank some of our great sponsors with the Racing with Ryan podcast. And we're excited to welcome in a brand new sponsor because we know it costs a lot of money to get to the track these days, whether it be your pit passes, your tires, your fuel, the parts you had to order just to get the car fixed. We know it's expensive, so we welcome on board the sponsorshipseminar.com. Now, we just had JR Longley on the show just a couple episodes ago. We got to learn all about JR and his expertise on the sponsorship side of things, and that's where the seminar comes in handy. So visit the sponsorshipseminar.com. It's only $99, and you can watch the seminar. Heck, get your whole team together. Get your friends together. Have everybody pitch in, watch the seminar, and learn these new ways and strategies to help you reach out and get those local sponsorships on your car to help lessen the economic impacts of our racing hobby that we love so much. Again, that is the sponsorshipseminar.com with J.R. Longley. You'll learn ways and strategies on how to reach out and find those hard-to-find sponsors. And you'll also learn how you can give back to them that'll hopefully create long-lasting relationships for years and years to come. Once again, that is the Sponsorship Seminar with J.R. Longley. We invite you to check out the sponsorshipseminar.com to see all that they have to offer. You can click through, you can watch the little preview video, and you can order the seminar where you'll get 36 hours of replay access. So you can watch it once, you can watch it a bunch of times in 36 hours, you can watch it by yourself. And then, like I said, invite everybody over to the garage to work on the car and watch the seminar at the same time. JR has over 40 years of sponsorship knowledge and it's all available online for you at your fingertips for the first time. Once again, that is the sponsorshipseminar.com. We would also like to thank American Auto Tires in Service located at 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. You can give them a call at 386-428-1941. Of course, that is EJ's company. And if you need anything done, tires, service, you name it, they have you covered. So make sure you stop into American Auto. Or, of course, you can always get with EJ if you're at New Smyrna. Uh, he, you can find him pretty easily in the tire room or driving the pace car. They have all kinds of great deals. Um, look, I'm in the market for some tires. I'm going to be stopping in there in the next couple of months and getting my tires down there because I wouldn't trust anybody else because I know EJ is going to take care of us. They offer everything from free visual AC checks, tires, maintenance, repairs, any kind of service you need. They even have wheels. So American Auto Tires and Service, your one-stop shop in the New Smyrna area for anything that you need done. So make sure you check them out again. 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna, New Smyrna Beach, 386-428-1941. Stop in and see your friends at American Auto. We also thank DeBerry Paint and Body for coming on board as a sponsor. Uh, of course, that is the two Manellos. So let's just say you get into a little bit of a fender bender and you don't want to go through your insurance because you know they're probably going to hike up your rates and you're going to pay for a deductible and you're still going to have to pay for all this stuff. Make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body because they will go ahead and handle that for you. If you got a scuffed up fender, if you got some dents in a bumper, if you got a door that needs replaced, DeBerry Paint and Body will take care of all of that. Um, they are open until about 6 o'clock each day, and you can get in touch with them by giving them a call at 386-320-0267, and they're located at 400 Chairman Court, Suite 200 in DeBerry, Florida, 32713. And again, their hours are typically 
9 a.m. to 6 p.m. on the weekdays and 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturdays because, you know, they got to get out to the racetrack and whatnot. So uh, if you need any body work done, paint, body, whatever you need, make sure you check out DeBerry Paint and Body. We also thank Bromley Motorsports for coming on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, you can primarily find the Bromleys running at New Smyrna Speedway. They have a couple of Bomber Bs, the six machines out there for Bromley Motorsports, and they have some pro trucks that they run occasionally as well. Sometimes you can find them out at the dirt tracks having a little bit of fun as well. But we appreciate Bromley Motorsports for coming on board to support the show. So make sure you check them out next time you're at the New Smyrna Speedway. We also thank Jeff White Racing for coming back on board as a sponsor here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Of course, Jeff White Racing can be found bouncing between the Auburndale Speedway and the New Smyrna Speedway. Jeffrey White, driver of the 41 EMOD slash AMOD, has been one of the dominant forces. So if you're looking to get on board with a good racing team, make sure you check out Jeff White Racing and check them out at the Bullring at Auburndale and the big track over at the New Smyrna Speedway. We thank them for coming back on board and supporting the show. And again, if you'd like to come on board and become a sponsor or supporter of the show, we only charge $5 an episode, and you can do as many or as little episodes as you like. One episode, 100 episodes, you could do a season. It's completely up to you. You can sponsor a division. Whatever you'd like to do, we are open. Um, Just message us here on the Racing with Ryan Facebook page or give us a call or text us at 321-356-2934, and we'll be happy to work with you. Thank you again to all of our sponsors and supporters. Now enjoy the rest of the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Third and final segment. Let's cram a lot into this thing. Uh, Let's start right into it here with the NASCAR race at Homestead. If you follow me on Facebook, you probably saw my unpopular hot take opinion that I think Homestead is overrated. I have felt like Homestead has been overrated for a long time. Now, what they have now is way better than the original flat track. I'll give you that 100%. Um, I've been to Homestead 2015, um, went to see Jeff Gordon's at the time, you know, last race, he was in championship contention. It was a big deal. Uh, the race started off crazy and then it just, God, it got so dull until late race caution. And then, you know, they had a five or six lap shootout and Kyle Busch won and that sucked. But, um, you know, a couple of good finishes here and there and i get it it's popular because everybody's ripping the top man you're ripping the top getting away from the wall you're ripping the top yeah but if you're if everybody's along the top it what's what good is a one groove track now there's plenty of space on the bottom and at different times different cars could make the bottom work but it seemed like at the beginning of a run inside you could make something happen and then everybody was to the top and then it just was a conveyor belt around the top, five, six, seven, ten laps after a restart. Everybody's around the top. Everybody's spread out. Uh, it's To me, it's overrated. I think most mile-and-a-half tracks have really exciting restarts, and then they fall into this category as well. So I'm not just shitting on Homestead. I'm just saying I don't think it lives up to the hype. And I will be honest with you, for much of this race, I was ready to crucify and give it like a two on the, the rating. Uh, you know, it's probably been a 2.6.29812 rounded up to 2.3 or whatever. But um, this race did get interesting and it mixed things up and it was, it had some playoff drama to it. So I can't hate on it too much. I just think that Homestead is overrated. So let's talk about um, 
the the race in and of itself, like like I said, the first two hundred laps of this thing were boring. They were just flat out boring to me. Uh, the race started off interesting enough with with a few lead changes. Martin Truex, Bubba Wallace, William Byron swapped the lead back and forth a, a handful of times. Um, there were twenty five lead changes in this race, so it wasn't stale the whole time. It just I don't know, man. I'm just really hating it. Um, again, the first 200 laps or so, not much happened. The first stage was won by Kyle Larson. He dominated. We all knew he was going to be the dominant guy. And then the end of the second stage, his car fell off. He got really loose. Um, he, his car was almost shaking back and forth through the corners. And the commentator was like, oh, he's losing lots of time. But nobody could tell that his car was not handling. Like, you could see it. I'm sitting on my couch going... Yeah, you can see why he's losing time, guys. He's all over the he's wailing all over the damn track. I just think he burned his tires off. It or just didn't have that set of tires just didn't last, or he pushed it too hard being in the lead and and just it faded. So which is good to see some fall off there. No doubt about it. I do like that there's fall off at Homestead. And it did come into play and, and shake up stage two. And um yeah, just it <sighs> mixed it up a little bit. Kyle Larson did lose track position, and that set up what turned this race crazy towards the end. Uh, Dave, uh, Dave Blaney, Ryan Blaney's leading, coming in for his pit stop. Kyle Larson's in second, knows he can't afford to lose any time with fresh tires to the leader. So Blaney pits, and he slows down, and then Larson just comes flying in there, trying to make up some time, and misjudges it hits the back of Blaney, then bounces into the sand barrels at the end of pit wall. And he's lucky he kept turning to the left and not didn't keep going straight and annihilating the end of that blunt pit wall. Sand barrels did their job, causing a red flag because they had to clean it up. Um, a lot of people are saying, oh, Blaney slowed down too much. What the hell is he doing? I can't, that's Blaney's fault. Um, if you're ever on the street and you hit a car in the rear, guess whose fault it is? It's the driver behind. You got to be ready. At all times, that guy in front of you, you know, you you got to be ready to slow down. So I put that on Larson. He came flying in there. And if I'm Blaney, I'm going to be conservative too. Larson, he he ain't got to be conservative. He's got to win. He's in the championship four. He could finish dead last, you know, the next two weeks, and he's, he's going to Phoenix. It don't matter. Blaney cannot afford to not slow down. Blaney can't afford to get nab speeding here. So if he was conservative, good on him for being aware of the situation. He finished, you know, he let Kyle Larson beats him off the pit road, whatever. He finishes second. That's way better than 22nd after getting a speeding penalty with however, however many cars are still on the lead lap. So I put that all on Larson. And yeah, I'm not a Larson fan. He's a hell of a driver. Um, he can go out there and spank a field like nobody else. And that's part of the reason. I, I don't, I, I like parody, man. I, I like different drivers being in the mix. Uh, usually when a driver dominates, I get kind of sick of it. So that's that's it. That's where the Larson hate comes from. That's it. Um, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, when they wreck, it makes my day. There it is. I have three drivers. Let me have three drivers that I root against, okay? And it doesn't have to be reasons that make sense to you. So when Larson smashed the wall, I was so happy. I got back into the race. And then we had a fun little battle here. Um, that, I believe, after the crash there, put... I want to say William Byron in the lead. He got off pit road first. Blaney led for a while. And then Denny Hamlin took the lead. Then Blaney took the lead. Hamlin and Blaney had a great battle. I think they have some heat between each other. 
and then Hamlin something broke on the steering with his car, and there goes Hamlin up into the wall, and he's out of the race. So I'm even more happy. And then William Byron again, he gets off pit road. Looks like he might win this thing. Blaney gets back to the lead, and then Byron gets passed with 16 laps to go, not by Blaney, but by Christopher Bell, who really came out of nowhere on that final run and got the win. Christopher Bell's first win of the season on pavement. His only other win this year came on Bristol Dirt. And again, just like last year, Christopher Bell, not flashy, but winning during the right time. Last year, he won at the Roval to transfer the next round. Then he won at Martinsville to go to the round of four. Now he's locked in, doesn't have to worry about Martinsville. Um, This race got chaotic. As soon as Larson hit the barriers, it was on. They had a big wreck on one of the restarts. Uh, Hamlin's wreck, Martin Truex blew up under caution. The drama that you would want in a race like this, it was all there. It was just all condensed into the final 15, 20%. So yeah, the first 80% of this race, the first 200 laps, I hated. I'm like, this sucks. Okay, the first 10 laps were good. And then lap 10 through one, uh, through 200, just, God, it was. I was bored. I'm sorry, I was. Uh, is, is this better than some of the tracks? Colossally, absolutely. But I don't know, man, just... It's so hyped up and loved by everybody, and I'm still just trying to figure out where where it all comes from. But Christopher Bell, like I said, he he comes out of nowhere to ring everybody's bell. He gets the win. Ryan Blaney does settle for second. Tyler Reddick third, William Byron fourth. Uh, Blaney, Reddick, Byron, they needed good runs because they are not locked in. Uh, Christopher Bell and Larson are the two locked into the championship at Phoenix. Then they were followed by a lot of non-playoff guys. A.J. Allmendinger, a great run in fifth. Bubba Wallace, sixth. Ty Gibbs, 7th, Joey Logano, 8th, ninth for Eric Almarola, and Austin Dillon, 10th. So topsy-turvy day. Some of the dominant guys fading late. Other notables include Kevin Harvick in 11th, Ryan Priest, 13th, Chase Elliott, 15th, Kyle Busch, non-factor all day, which is fine with me, in 18th, Chris Buescher, another playoff guy. Boy, Brad Keselowski had a great run, led some laps. Uh, he had an issue towards the end, finished like 28th, but Chris Buescher never... Had it on this day, finishes 21st. He's in must-win territory going into Martinsville if he's going to race for a championship. Martin Truex, 29th. Denny Hamlin, 30th. Kyle Larson, but it don't matter. Uh, Larson finished 34th, but again, he's locked in. So going into Martinsville, here's where we stand. Locked in to the championship for, of course, our Chris Bell and Kyle Larson with the wins. And then um, you got William Byron and Ryan Blaney as you're two in the show right now. A couple points back is Reddick. And uh, on the outside looking in, Danny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr., and Chris Busher. Busher's must win. Hamlin and Truex, they got to have great days at Martinsville. They are both 37 points off the lead. So it's going to get... Martinsville, it may not be the best race with this package, but the playoff drama is going to keep things interesting, just like last year. And I think Martinsville is going to be boring for about 400 laps. And then the final 100, when people are positioning themselves to be where they need to be for the end, then I think it'll be good. Um, Kyle Larson won the race in the spring. He would love to go get another win and let the points settle things out. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, Homestead, in my opinion, it, it it delivered at the end. And that's what people remember is the end of races. So how did I score this thing? I bet you're all waiting to see how much I trashed this thing, right? The racing, I give it a five. It's not the worst. It's not the best. It gets a five. The excitement factor, it had it. I give it an eight. The finish, I give it a seven. It was fun watching Christopher Bell 
charge through the field, uh, through the field, charge and, and take the lead over William Byron with a couple to go, knowing what was on the line. Uh, Bell did lead the final 16 laps, but you were kind of holding your breath to see if there's going to be another caution, and there wasn't. Uh, so I get to finish a seven. 25 lead changes. That scores a nine on the metric here. Enjoyment, I listen, it went from a two on the enjoyment scale to an eight over the final 67 laps. So I, I give it that. A 7.4 overall. So yes, I was complaining about it, and I sometimes I complain about things because I'm hoping that I will will it into something better. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened on Sunday. So if you think I'm whining, you're welcome. You're welcome because it was fun. Uh, 7.4 overall, like I said, that brings our season total for NASCAR up to a 6.74 out of 10. That's our season average all mixed together with two races to go. And again, Bell, Larson in. I think Chris Busher's must win. Truex and Hamlin going to need help. Going to be a good battle between Reddick and Blaney if one of those guys doesn't win for that final spot, you know, or however many spots are left. I think Byron's Byron's probably good on points if he doesn't have a catastrophe in Martinsville, but only two are safe, and it should be interesting. Updated power rankings here real quick uh, before I look at the fantasy stuff, and then we're going to end. A little interactive uh, segment from listeners here. Uh, to end the show. So the power rankings, Chase Elliott's going to remain in 15th. Ross Chastain got caught up in the big one late in the race. He drops three spots to 14th. Kyle Busch, a no-show in 18th. He drops three spots as well from 10th to 13th. Kevin Harvick, a respectable 11th in um, that beautiful number four car, the Budweiser car that he drove this week. He jumps up two spots to 12th. Bubba Wallace led some laps early, disappeared for 80% of the race, and drove his way back up to, what did he finish, fifth, sixth? Can't remember now. i got to scroll back up here real quick. Uh, Bubba was sixth, so a very respectable run. Everybody's favorite driver is going to move up two spots to 11th. Truex with the blown motor, going to drop a spot to 10th. Um, he'll drop out of the top 10 if he doesn't make the top four at Martinsville. Chris Buescher drops two spots to ninth with a very subpar run. Uh, he's a must-win territory. Joey Logano up four. He ain't got nothing left to race for. And yet, a quiet eighth-place day. I just, he stood out amongst a bunch of failure. So, Joey's up to eighth. Brad Kozlowski up one spot to seventh. The finish is not what I'm looking at here. It's him not in the playoffs, leading laps and running well when his teammate is off. So, that kind of swung the needle for me. Um, Tyler Reddick drops uh, one spot to sixth. Denny Hamlin drops two spots to fifth. Ryan Blaney up two. Um... Might have been able to win this thing. I think surprised a lot of people. I, I no one during the pre-race I heard somebody say, "Oh, the twelve car is going to be one to watch." And I thought, "Nah, no, maybe a top 10. But he uh, uh, surpassed expectations. He dropped, jumps two spots to fourth. William Byron drops one spot to third because Christopher Bell jumps up two spots to second, locking himself into the playoffs. And despite the finish, Kyle Larson is still atop the board again. Probably finishes no worse than second in this race if he doesn't slam the barriers. But again, his failure was our gain, our benefit, because the race got crazy after that. So that's my updated power rankings heading into Martinsville. Two races to go, Martinsville and Phoenix. Not the two most exciting tracks on the schedule, but they could provide exciting moments. So we shall see. So let me pop into fantasy world here real quick. Um, If this isn't your segment, I invite you to stick around because we're going to hear some uh, some thoughts from the listeners here. 
in just a few seconds here. So let's see. And again, I don't check this. I, I almost forgot to set my team. I was literally had to steal the phone away from my daughter who was watching Super Kitties. Um, I had to steal this, steal the phone away from her, make her all upset, set my fantasy team about 10 minutes before the race because I almost forgot what a host I would have been if I had forgot to set my own damn fantasy team here. So let's see how did we fare in the RKS uh, or in the race with Ryan fantasy league here. Let me go to league. Yeah, let's see how we fared at Homestead. Oh, oh my gosh, I crushed all of your souls this weekend. I love it. I was the winner. The only one with over 200 points. I win this week. It's a big week for RKS Racing with 219 points. Staffordshire, it was close after that, real close. Staffordshire Motorsports second with 177. Bubble Wallace, uh, 23XI, that's Steve. Steve and 8-Ball Racing were tied with 175. King Penguin was with 170. John Gross, the point leader. Boy, I gained a lot on Mr. John this week. He was 6th with 169. Richie Petty Jr. 159. Big Tim and Motorsports, 150. Bob's Fords, 142. And Pitt Penguin, tough week with 140. And let me look at the overall standings here. I'm, that gives me hope with two races to go. Let's see. I know John's still leading. He's got, yeah, John is still leading. And even with a win, I'm still sixth. Damn, I don't have as much hope as I thought. So John Gross with 6,284 is leading by just 14 points now over Staffordshire Motorsports, 6,270. Again, the winner's going to win a plaque from 124 Welding and Fab, racing with Ryan. Fantasy league winner. Let's see, Bob's Ford is third, 6,177. Steve Darling, fourth with 6,096. Big Temp in fifth, 6,049. And I am sixth, just six points behind Big Temp with 6,043. Then you got Richie Petty, seventh. Eight ball racing, eighth. Pit Penguin and King Penguin rounding out your top 10. Fantasy drivers for Martinsville. This is going to be tough. Uh, let me go back and look at the last Martinsville race. I think Kyle Larson uh, won that one. Yes, he did did ryan priest led a lot of this race if i remember correctly i think he led like the first 140 laps of this thing um 135 laps um so drivers i think you're going to want to put on your list and hear me out okay martin truex and denny hamlin you've got to have them on your list because they're going to be driving their souls out they finished third and fourth here in the spring they got to win I'd put them on my list. I like Larson this week as well. I like Joey Logano. They finished in the top four spots. Um, another driver I would want on my list this week is Ryan Blaney. I think he's going to be up on his game trying to make the playoffs. I don't think you got to worry too much about Bell. He's locked in. I don't see him really shining. Um, wild card pick this week, Chase Briscoe. Uh, he finished well here in the fall last year, sixth, I'm sorry, fifth in the spring. I know he's one of those guys you probably haven't used very much in the playoffs, so I would put him in as your wild card. Um, some other drivers to maybe think about if you need to make a stretch here. Um, Ty Gibbs, I think, would be a safe pick this weekend. Um, I think uh, I think Chase Elliott's a safe pick this weekend. He always seems to do well at Martinsville, but it's going to be crazy. The playoffs, stipulations, and qualifying and track position. Uh, remember, track position is going to be very important, especially in the second half of the race. Ryan Priest started on pole here in the spring, led 135 laps. Speeding penalty on the first pit stop and could only get back to 15th. It's tough to pass. You can't just knock people out of the way anymore. So track position, track position. 
I would recommend, if you're listening to this and you're in the Fantasy League, wait until after qualifying to set your lineup. Uh, maybe advice isn't needed this week. Wait till after qualifying, see where the normally fast guys are, and then set your team. That's what I would do. That's my fantasy advice for Martinsville because track position will be king. Last pit stop probably with about 100 to go going to set things up for what could be a wild finish. You can't do the wall ride anymore, so you got to use the track parameters of the racetrack to make the passes here. So that's the fantasy update, fantasy advice. Now let me hop on into the Facebook machine here. I asked a question earlier, and I'm just curious. I literally said, hey, I'm doing a podcast tonight. What's on it? What's on your mind? Maybe I'll address it on the show. So let's look at some things here. Uh, some of these things I might not have comments on because I might not be following it closely. Uh, Paul Clayton, uh, a big, uh, important big wig in the dirt racing world in our region, says the saturation of regional dirt late model races or series in the South. Now, I don't follow dirt racing. I asked him to expand on that. Uh, he didn't get back to me. I, I just, I think he feels like there's too many series. There's too much going on. I, I believe in racing nowadays, sometimes less is more. So that'd be my take there. Uh, Jason Reeson says, cars, tours, penalties. I bet Mason Diaz would love to join and discuss this. Um, I know the cars tours this weekend, wild finish of the race. Uh, I know Katie Hettinger got into it with Carson Quapple. Ironically, Katie used to drive that 96. The first time I ever saw Katie race was at New Smyrna in that 96 during one of the red eyes back, got three, four or five years ago now. Doesn't seem like that long ago, but it was a while ago. Um, uh, excuse me, needed a drink there. Um, but yeah, um, I think Katie got what she deserved. You know, tried to wreck Carson, ended up wrecking herself. I think um, I think that's fair. I'm all for suspending somebody for a week or two. I don't think banning people does any good. I think that just tarnishes, uh, d- just tarnishes things. Um, you gotta have discipline, but taking it too far uh, sometimes isn't a good thing either. Uh, <laughs> oh man. I love this. Alec Jorgensen says, the fact that Homestead was a great race and you refused to accept it, I, I said back to him, like, well, you better listen to the show and hear what I actually have to say about it. Again, first 200 laps, boring. Last 67, pretty good. Pretty good. So, I, 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 again, it didn't suck, okay? It didn't suck. Um, Steve Rowling said, Ryan, uh, referring to Carl Larson crashing, he said, uh, Larson was just sandbagging. Perfect. Love it. Um, Jake Wilson says, still better than any Phoenix race. Right on. I agree with that 100%. Um, he says that the barrel, uh, Jeff Colburn says that the barrels were not there from keeping the 12 from having a bad day. Uh, Tom Stout, our good buddy from Speedway Video, says, I must mention the well being of innocent restart cones and what the local government is going to do to ensure their protection. Ain't no wall you can build to protect a restart cone, so there's nothing we can do. Uh, thank God they got it out of the double zero, that poor double zero cars. Again, go back and watch the little. Uh, short that Tom put up about the damn restart cone. It was hilarious. I didn't know he was going to do that, um, but I know he was enjoying that. So um, hopefully the restart cones are not harmed any further. Josh Greathouse says, talk bump and run. The Tri-City race was kind of controversial. Um, I, I didn't watch that. I, what I know of bump and run is where you get like gladiators, bombers, street stock type cars, and they bump the car they want to race or something like that. I don't know. I've never been a big fan of it. Uh, Mark Kemick says, Bell is the new closer. Well, he knows how to get it done in the biggest of spots. Uh, the last two years, he's made the Final Four and probably has not had the most impressive of seasons. So kudos to Bell getting it done when he needs to get it done. And then um, 
this this is the big one here. Um, okay, yeah, we got we got some more here. So this is getting juicy, okay? Justin Otterholt, one of our spectator racers that I have a lot of respect for. Uh, NSS needs to just 24-second breakout run the bomber A's. When I was there on the 14th at the field, we're doing pass-throughs at least once, and it spoils the racing for the fans. Uh, it isn't bracket drag racing. It must be a better way to keep people from dumping too much money into their cars. Um, again, the, the rule is in there for that exact reason, so if anybody has a better idea how we can keep this a, uh, a economy-style class, I'm all ears. Uh, just as Rex all, uh, Hollinger comments, all ears. What is the better way? There you go. And then Justin says, started off by, okay, well, I'll start off by stating that I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure what the rule book states, but the first thing that comes to mind is a tire rule, which we had last year and everybody hated, um, in the sense that there could be a minimum tread wear, which, again, we had that last year, and some people stopped racing because of it. And then we had another rule, and some people stopped racing because of it. So um, uh, minimum tread wear is his suggestion. Uh, Honestly, what happens when you change rules, you might gain some and you lose some. You've got to keep a consistent – just got to pick something and keep it consistent and let it build. If it changes all the time, you go through the same cycle and the cycle just repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats. Pick something and change it. Now, little tweaks here and there to stay up with the times, sure. Like if we're going to keep the 24-second rule, I'd like to see the times change just a little bit. Or you get it once and if it happens again, then you're done. Then, you know, then it's a penalty. I kind of like that. A little bit of leeway. Like, almost like you're allowed a joker lap, except on the last lap. Maybe that's getting too convoluted. Um, Jared Zebley says, they had a tire rule. It only slowed them down a couple of tenths. 24-second rules to make them slow down more and easier on tech and save money. Um, Justin says, yeah, I kind of figured. Um, Jared says, I 100% agree the rule is dumb, but the track made it clear it's not going anywhere. So again, um, it's... You might think it's dumb, but it's it's not like the rule only applies to one or a couple. Like it's not like, hey, uh, this brand of car can only run this, while this brand of car gets that. It is a all-encompassing rule. So instead of you know looking at certain cars, because the bombers are a wide array of cars, which becomes part of the problem with tech. It's like, well, you know, if you make a change to this style of car, outlaw this style of car, you're only hurting certain people who might be dominating and they might just be a damn good driver who's good at making any kind of car work if it's the same kind of rule for everybody this turned into a good discussion if it's the same rule for everybody and everybody plays in the same playing field i think that has ground you know what i mean and and, and i'm not saying it's perfect and i agree with justin seeing half the field have to pit and then splitting up the pack i don't know if it makes for better racing but it keeps it interesting. So there's a balance. I don't know. There's a balance to it. Um, Tristan comments here. The biggest issue I see is that a lot of people think there should be no bumping and touching another car during the race, which is a natural part of the sport in my mind. I think he's spot on with that. Um, you're going to rub and bump your best friend if you go out there and race long enough. Um, but you factor in the extra expense, extra expense of on the last couple of laps, people going for broke. And let's face it, uh, some rookies and their parents, you know, some, some of these drivers are rookies. Some of their parents are paying for it. Some have deep pockets. Some don't. Um, yeah, man, Robin's racing. I agree with that hundred percent. Uh, Eugene Tuminello says, uh, comment on the Rackley war pro late model race this last weekend. Yeah. Uh, it was a rough race for Rackley, man. Rackley's been in the news, in my opinion, for all the wrong reasons lately with 
I, I still want to know what happened with the Matt Benedetta situation. I don't know if there's bad blood there or what. Um, I have a lot of respect for the team. I think it's a great team, but uh, man, they they get into some rough stuff. Um, rumor has it they may be a Governor's Cup. So again, here's what I'm going to say: if there's a team out there that you don't like or a driver that you don't like, and you find out they're coming to a track near you, go boo them. Go make noise. Right now, I've seen it. Bobby Roland is out there working his tush off to engage with the crowd. He is the biggest hype man in racing, okay? And he gets no reaction. Right now, there's not a lot of reaction coming from the grandstands. I don't know if it's because people don't run the same track every week anymore, so the fans just lose touch. There's a disconnect between the fans and and the drivers and the fans and the racetracks. And I don't have the perfect solution. I'm not uh, the best hype man myself. I'm I'm a dope, um, you know. But man, go make noise at these racetracks. Pick if you don't know who a driver is, freaking pick pick one and go nuts when they're making a pass. Uh, you, the most discouraging thing is when you're like, "Who's ready for some racing?" and you get. Well, what the what the hell are y'all here for? You here to just sit here and eat uh, track food? Make some damn noise. Go to a racetrack and have a good time. Take your shirt off every now and then and whip it around on your head. You know, take your your small child that you're getting out of the house and get them into it. Nothing is better than your small child being a fan of racing. I'm t- I'm telling you, go to the racetracks and have fun. You're paying good money to be there. You're making usually a long drive to be there. Go make some noise. Go hoot and holler. Pick a driver to cheer on. Pick a driver to boo. You might not know that driver, but if you don't start somewhere, you're never going to know the drivers. You're never going to know who to root for and who to cheer. If you're not making noise, you're not having a good time, and it's not engaging. So, yeah, I just took a tangent and and took what Eugene said and went on a whole rumbling. Um, And listen, you guys that race cars, I see you at these racetracks. You're not there every week with a car. You're a race fan too. Cheer. Make noise. Have fun. Poke fun. Don't be nasty and vulgar and, you know, just being nasty to be nasty, but go have fun. That's my other message for the day. Have fun with the short track racing thing. Um, There's a lot of tracks that aren't able to have any kind of anything anymore. So go enjoy the tracks that we have. You know, whether you like the promoter or not, whether you think the track sucks, whether you think the payouts, just go have fun. Go support it, man. I'll go to any of these tracks. Uh, I, I know I've said certain things and, and disagreed with certain things. Doesn't mean I want the track to go away. Doesn't mean I won't ever go there. Doesn't mean that I'm going to, you know, be able to get out there every single time that I might have a chance. No. But it doesn't mean I have any ill will towards any of it. So, fun show. Uh, fun weekend of racing. Um, I, I'm I'm so glad we still have what we have with this sport because it would not be any fun without it. I'm telling you, the worst race at Homestead is better than no race at all. The uh, you know the smallest car count in the state is still better than a track not existing. Uh, the worst payout in the world is better than no payout because this hobby, I I'm not getting a payout at the end of the night. So I have some sponsors, yes, but. Um, you know, you guys get to go uh, a lot of times, like if you go race go-karts or you go to, you go to some facility to use machines, you're paying, right? 
and that's it. There is no, there is no nothing on the other side of the curtain. Okay, so let's remember that. Sometimes, you know, going to the racetrack is like a mini vacation. Let's think about it. Anyways, with that said, a lot of racing to choose from this weekend. You got New Smyrna. You got Auburndale. You got Citrus County. You got Showtime. You got the Freedom Factory. You got NASCAR in Martinsville. Uh, hell, you probably got five flags. I don't know what they got going on um, over there in, uh, you know, South Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> um, Go find somewhere. Enjoy some racing. Um, hey, if anything good happens this weekend somewhere else, let me know. Seriously, if you're ever like, hey, on your show, man, this week, you got to talk about so-and-so passing so-and-so on the last lap. I would love to be able to do that. Uh, obviously, I can only be where I'm at. So if there's something good I should know about, please let me know so I can talk about it. Or listen to Hot Mic on Wednesdays where we go a little more in depth and we hear from the other announcers in the state. And, um, yeah, with that said, thank you for listening to this week's show. Looking forward to talking with you next week. In the next few weeks, I'll have plenty of updates on who's coming to Governor's Cup, any changes, any this and that, and I'll be happy to answer any questions. Be covering things the best we can with the NASCAR season winding down, and we're going to keep on keeping on. So with that said, thanks again. Hope you enjoyed this one, and we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye, and vroom, vroom on.